confrontation between the Wagner paramilitary group and Russia's Putin could change the trajectory of the war in Ukraine. Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer gives us the backdrop of this story. Supreme Court rejects Texas and Louisiana's efforts to force the Biden administration to change the deportation policy. Center for Immigration Studies Andrew Arthur talks about the court's decision and the record number of Chinese migrants crossing the southern border. Dr. Li Mingyang and Dr. Hu are here to discuss a new report by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence on the origin of the COVID-19 pandemic and the reckless policies that aid the CCP. Viewpoint this Sunday is next. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news. Providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the weekend news magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. It is Malcolm Out Loud here. A lot of big stories, friends, but probably none bigger to start this broadcast off than what's going on in Russia. Very fascinating here. Let's start the broadcast off the air and invite our dear friend, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer is here. He's the retired president, uh, also currently of the London Center for Policy Research, CIA trained intelligence operations officer, uh, decades of experience in global and national security. Uh, Tony, this is uh, quite the story here, this one here, this Wagner paramilitary group. Uh, and uh, the gentleman there uh, to head that up is um, Prigozhin, right? Prigozhin? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks and, for having uh, me. Yeah. 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 Pleasure. So tell us what's, uh, th- this is quite a conflict. What's happening? Well, I think the lesson here is never let the guy who you, uh, who basically, who's your chef, become the leader of your paramilitary force, because that's kind of what happened here. Prigozhin was, uh, a, a basically a caterer that Putin had come to like and use his facilities and restaurant quite a bit when he was in St. Petersburg years ago. So, uh, you know, obviously, I guess he's a great chef. Uh, you know, wow. now he thinks he's a great soldier. That is Prigozhin. And that's kind of where he started and where it's going. Wow. Prigozhin became one of the oligarchs, which was a strong supporter of Putin. I think that's why Putin gave him the mission of running the, the Wagner group, the Wagner paramilitary group. Mm-hmm. And for the audience to remember, I, I think we've talked about this a little bit. Wagner is essentially the off the books paramilitary organization that Putin uh, put together, uh, you know, obviously helped uh, organize and support that does things that the Russian constitution prohibits Russian military or Russian intelligence services doing. They're basically a combination of the French foreign legion uh uh, Blackwater, you know, and I'm sure my friend Eric Prince does not like me saying that, but I often do. A uh, combination of Blackwater, uh, the French Foreign Legion, and uh, the a, a, a prisoner gr- groups of prisoners who come out of prison and are are going to be granted essentially some level of relief from their sentence by enlisting. And by the way, Prigozhin himself is a convicted criminal. He spent, uh, I think, 12 years in jail for you know illegal things. So I think they're all birds of the feather. Uh, what's happened is is that uh, uh, Putin decided to use uh, Wagner 
in extraterritorial extra operations such as in Syria. We've actually, the United States has actually dropped bombs on Wagner before in Syria. Uh, some people say it was purpose, purposely done. I don't know. Uh, but there was conflicts between Russian and U.S. Uh, forces there on the ground. And, and obviously the most prominent use of Wagner was in Bakhmut where by uh, all accounts, uh, th there was a significant loss of life by Wagner. Prigozhin says 25,000 died. I, I don't know if that's true or not. I always uh, cut in half any time I hear a number given by either side regarding losses. I okay. think they they uh, they will uh, over over you know basically lie about that. But mm -hmm. the bottom line is Prigozhin has a big beef with the the national security establishment of Russia with Shoigu, who's the defense ministry and the chief of staff of the army, and now Putin. Now, the Wagner group was uh, also, at one point, they were, uh, there was a lot of reports of them looking for Zelensky himself. Remember that? Yes. That's, quite a, yeah, a that's, that's true, it's because the they, group, they, they, right? they do those off-the-books things that Russian military right. can't do. Absolutely. No doubt. But same group, same guy and everything else. Yeah. Isn't that quite a juxtaposition, a guy that was a prior chef like that, uh, and now you look and you see his face. And I mean, he looks like a, a hard ass, basically. Uh, can't imagine him as a chef, but that's what his uh, past was, huh? That's right. And, well, look, uh, I think uh, Himmler was a chicken farmer, farmer, too. Don't forget before he took over the Gestapo, just saying. I mean, right, right. I don't think you can judge someone's prior uh, avocation or, or career based that's on true. how evil they can be. And yeah. I think Bergoshin, yeah, he's as evil as he looks. But with that said... You know, he got uh, he got he became friends and 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 uh, cohorts with Putin during his Saint Petersburg Saint Petersburg time, and right. you know he, he's he is now right. one of the oligarchs. And by, by the way, the question becomes at this point, Malcolm, right. uh, how many other oligarchs has he been uh, quietly right. exactly. working to try to, exactly. to bring over to his? Well, side? I got a couple of questions for you here, yeah. but let me let me say first the the uh, statement I seen the British military. Uh, described the crisis as the most significant challenge to the Russian state in recent times. Over the coming hours, the loyalty of Russia's security forces, back to what you just say, and especially the Russian National Guard, will be key to how the sure. crisis plays out. You agree with that statement? Oh, right? I do. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Nothing has been a threat to Putin up to now. I mean, he's right. had full reign to do whatever. Right. And, of course, the, some of the media reports I see earlier suggest that the, the Republicans don't want this because they don't want anything to happen to Putin. But that's just a political bunch of garbage uh, that I can see. Uh, but right. talk about, Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that. But, I mean, the only way to really get this thing to some sort of conclusion is, to, is probably to get Putin somehow out of there. I think you and I have talked about this before in some regard. Well, yes right? and no. So let me be clear on this, because, yeah. again, I, I don't want to I, I my job is to call balls and strikes. And a lot of us get accused of being pro-Russian simply because we're very factual and lucid about our analysis. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So the one thing we cannot permit is uh, a failed state the size of Russia that goes the way of Libya. Uh, Libya, by all accounts, when uh, when Obama and uh, uh, Secretary Clinton moved in there and got rid of Gaddafi, they created uh, the uh, the ultimate un ungoverned space where we've had nothing but problems since then. Imagine doing that in Russia, oh boy. Oh boy. except they have nukes. Yeah, so, that's a good point. Yeah, so I, look, it's like I, I, we're, nobody is pro-Putin uh, that I know of. None of my friends, I just got off the phone with a former assistant secretary of defense literally before I came on. We were talking about this. We're not pro-Russian. We actually spent most of our lives fighting uh, the Cold War against Russia. Right, you know, right. So we are not pro-Russia. But we do recognize, as rational human beings would, 
the idea of having a failed state with loose nuclear weapons is in nobody's interest. Uh, and right now, as we speak, we know for a fact that Russian uh, uh, Russia is moving nuclear weapons into Belarus. Yes, yes. So the last thing you want is some knucklehead like Prigozhin, who is, uh, while very emotional, is essentially intelligent enough to figure out, me, gee, maybe grabbing a couple of nukes is a good idea if I want to really have leverage right. over the Russian government. Well, this is a concern no matter what. I mean, right. and uh, this is going to be a bigger concern of the next decade with what's going on in Iran as well, back to nukes and others that are starting to proliferate these things. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to be in for a, a shock one day when somebody uses one of these things in the wrong way, I think, you know. So if people actually go look at what's going on, uh, all the forces that were badly trained uh, by us, uh, I'm just saying, uh, Petraeus, I've watched Dave Petraeus talk about this. It's like he's living in an alternate universe for me because that basically the everything they brag about, oh, we've had... All these countries participating and training all these these individuals, like that's the opposite of what you want to do. You want to have people trained in two or three locations to create unit cohesion. Unit cohesion then has to be built into operational inter interoperability so people can work together in the battlefield. And then when you put them on the battlefield, they have to be rapidly moved around to create uh, the ability to to take advantage of breakthroughs. None of this has happened. And it's kind of so we are in the military side sitting back and watching, you know, uh, a number of these guys, Petraeus being one of the most prominent, bragging about how all this international cooperation is, is and, and diversity is going to lead to victory. No, this is woke. This is woke goes to war, and it's not going to work. And so, uh, again, I'm not pro-Russian. I'm just saying it's not going to work the way they've planned it. So this could be okay. Putin working with Prigozhin to create a head fake so that the Ukrainians think, oh boy, here's our moment to go do the breakthrough, and exhaust okay. even more resources, which are very limited. All right. Well, you got me thinking now uh, with that uh, interesting uh, point of strategy, uh, Tony, but I, I think you, you're you're onto something. We really don't know what we don't know. I mean, in the old days, Malcolm, you you, yeah. you and I lived, we're long enough, we've, we're old enough, we've lived through this, this, some of the Cold War. And so, That's right. That's right. you know, back in the old days, if something like this happened, the FSB or KGB would have figured out the plot yeah. was coming. Yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden, you would have heard an announcement that Prigozhin had a cold and he would probably be retired very soon and he yeah, ended yeah. up dying from yeah. from, from uh right. gun induced pneumonia <laughs> yeah 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 we've seen that before but yeah no that's <laughs> that's exactly it and so yeah. we'll see all right let me turn now a couple of other big stories here i want to talk to you there, this is interesting now what's your perspective on this um uh the the trump indictment now let me let me explain a couple of thoughts this last one sure. here so okay so you have here Eileen Cannon, the U.S. District Judge, who sets the trial date for August 14th. Now, that was a shock, at least to us it was. I don't know if it was to you, but here's the thing. All the reports were the earliest this would have been would have been early 2024, potentially into 2025 to set those uh, the, the dates up. But yeah. it was actually set by Eileen Cannon for August 14th. Now, that got me started to think that maybe this was part of their strategy to put him out of his misery as quickly as they could before debates and conversation. Because, you know, this is a timeline right now in the march to the White House, clearly. Right. If, if Trump gets there first before all this happens, he's golden because he'll he'll wash the whole thing away, clearly. And, um, and you know, it changes the rules a little bit. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. So you had that happen. Now you see the latest report with uh, with uh, Jack Smith coming out and uh, the special counsel, and he wants to delay this now. And this surprised me till uh, December. And he says, of course, he's such a good guy. He says uh, he wants to move it because, well, the start of the trial should be delayed. So Trump's lawyers have time to get security clearances to review the classified documents. 
He said Trump's lawyers do not oppose, he said, scrapping the August 14th trial start date, but he anticipates they will have a file motion opposing the prosecution's proposed schedule. Now, what's the strategy here with this? What's what's the best way that this plays out for Trump, in, in fact? Well, I, I think the, the the thing I've heard him speak publicly on, and I think it's, it is the best in, uh, and the, the two elements of the defense which are uh, – cannot be overridden is article two of the constitution, which gives uh, the president the authority over the executive branch to include information. So to me, it's like if, if Trump even in his dream said, these are declassified, they're declassified. If, as long as he said it, well, he was president. So it's like, there you go. Secondly, the presidential records act backs that up. Uh, you know, but don't they are... have him on recording somewhere saying that he didn't think it was classified? Is that a correct statement? Or doesn't matter? It... He's, a, he's the chief executive. Okay. He could he could he I could see. either classify or declassify anything he wanted while he was president. So it doesn't matter. I see. The, the basic the basic idea is that when as long as he was in the White House, anything he decided to take with him, he could say I unclassified that. That's it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, he is the ultimate authority. There's so how are they going to get him on this then? What What are these people thinking? Well, if they, I don't, because I think it's, all they're trying to do is muddy the water to make him unelectable because if it goes to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court's going to say, yes, Article 2, he's got the ultimate authority, you know, under the Presidential Records Act is the explanation for it. Yeah. While, you know, they can, you know, they, they, they can demand things be returned. It doesn't matter because the president then can keep take according to the the ruling made for the Bill Clinton sock drawer, which I and others do not want to look in that sock drawer. Just saying, mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, it's very There's clear. A blue that, dress in there, by the way. Of course, they, they well, yeah, and they did. They deferred to Clinton, saying, "Hey, whatever he took is his." So mm-hmm. that's the, that's the bottom line. It's like the yeah. Second Amendment, you know, the Article Two of the Constitution, and the ruling saying, "Yeah, whatever that he." Well, I, I, I accept what you say, but I will say this to be a bit sarcastic back with you. But we are talking Trump here, by the way, and they do change yeah, the rules with whatever the hell the Constitution or anything else is when it is Trump. And I'm just saying, buddy. No, just, I'm with you. No, I, I, but, but I think they're trying to do what they're trying to do is make it so yeah. that during the yeah. primaries next year people go against him i just don't think it's in the cards i think this is just going to strengthen his position i think if he has to go to trial you know the the jack smith timeline is going to help them all right all right i just don't think it's and and doesn't this kind of or couldn't this i mean i think in another very interesting way tony this really does play i think could could play into trump's hands totally because uh, right now, there's a lot of people realize that he's being ambushed here, and there are that that middle ground. And looking the way things are right now, he may pick up some votes on this kind of thing in the long run. Uh, you think? Oh, I do. I okay. absolutely do. Right. I yeah. think the more people see what's going on, actually look at the facts, that m- more people recognize this right. is a. Uh, He's being railroaded. He's and, being railroaded. Again, yeah. again, again, again. I mean, the the, I mean when you contrast that with the Hunter Hunter, yeah. Hunter Biden issue, it's it's. Well. Abundant. Well, let's talk about that now, actually, because yeah. this is another juicy one. Yeah. And and this is interesting now. So Garland denies interfering with Hunter Biden. He he says, after <laughs> I've seen oh yeah, yeah, I've seen him talk about it. And now he he's really something else. He's so let me read you for listeners to hear. He says, as I said at the outset, Mr. Weiss, who was appointed by President Trump, which they always point that out, of course, as US yeah. attorney in Delaware and assigned this matter during the previous administration, would be permitted to continue his investigation and to make a decision to prosecute any way in which he wanted to, and in any district he wanted to. Uh, And he goes on and on. I don't know how it would be possible, he says, for anybody to block him. Um, Maybe just God might block him. I don't know. But from bringing a prosecution, given that he has this authority, Garland says, his complete authority. What do you say about that first? 
So there's a couple things. Garland, to me, uh, I've talked to at least four, two former attorney generals of the United States, three, three on this. Uh, and um, they all recognize Garland. Uh, they first off have all agreed that it's we dodged a bullet by not having Garland on the Supreme Court. That's the first like. Can you imagine that, Tony? Wow. I was thinking of that the other day again. Yeah, Can you like, imagine? Wow. Wow. And so, but secondly, more importantly, wow. yeah, I think they, they've all said basically they feel that Garland has lied under oath, which is to me impeachable. It's like, yeah, you can prove he lied, especially with the two whistleblowers who are coming out now and saying flat out, look, uh, there was attempts by the special, you know, by, by they wanted to make it a special prosecutor that was denied. They wanted to bring actual fel fel felony charges that was denied. Yeah, it's very clear that there's special treatment. Anybody else? And you know this, Malcolm, anybody else who uh, lies on a federal uh, ATF form would be in jail right now, waiting trial because, you know, they, they don't mess around with that. But it's the president's son. So, oh, we're just going to go with a diversion program. Nobody gets a diversion program regarding felonies. Nobody. Right. And secondly, regarding the whole issue of the tax issue, it's abundantly clear that the Biden family was enriched to at least $30 million by a variety of foreign sources. Russia. Ukraine and China right. to be the three most prominent. Right. And I think it's it's abundantly clear at this point that uh, the whole DOJ and FBI are shilling for the Bidens. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, they're they're pulling for a uh, uh, whatever, leftism, progressivism, Marxism uh, in the country is what they're pulling for. It's even more than Biden. Right. Uh, they're pulling the weight of the far left extreme radical uh, pull down of this country. It's huge. Tony, here, here's the beef I really want to discuss with you on this case. You yeah. know, this is very, very discouraging. I've been watching this over the past week, and I, I've really become um, uh, very discouraged about this story. Not, not for, Listen now, not for the reason that everybody's talking about. Everybody is talking about the taxes, as you just say. Everybody's talking about, you know, and I listen, I, you, you just turn the channels. I don't really follow any of these buffoons out in media land. They're, they're all dejects, rejects. Uh, but, you know, you just turn and see what they're saying. Look at the headlines and you know what's going on. And I have to tell you, this this uh, calamity we're dealing with, with Biden and Hunter Biden specifically, in my world, has I don't give a rat's ass about his taxes or what, what form he filled out or whatever. That's not at all to me the argument, which is what everybody's talking about because it's a deflection campaign. What I'm really concerned with and what we should be talking about is our national security compromise right. in our national security and you know full well what i'm talking about with the countries you just pointed out and the money that is transacted to me this plays to a lot of these stories that we've been covering the last couple of years including leaving all that billions of dollars of equipment in the afghanistan desert right near china i mean this is uh th this whole case smells badly I mean, we are compromised at the highest level that's the story i'm talking about not his taxes or the the guy i don't really care about that shit. i mean that's all over the place that stuff but what about the real problem do you know what i'm talking about here yeah so, well, I was disappointed, uh, I think it was yesterday, with John Kirby. John Kirby is a retired Navy admiral. and when He's he a was doofus, by the way. He's a doofus. When he was confronted by James Rosen, and I know James, I know both these guys. I know both of them uh, through my my work. And um, John, John uh, uh, James Rosen laid out uh, and quoted directly hmm. the information that's been obtained through subpoenas regarding what the irs found out regarding a whatsapp uh text exactly yeah and so there's no doubt at this point when you combine that with the hunter biden hard drive 
in the pictures that that hunter indeed the date of that but isn't uh, this a distraction still tony that we're talking about these kinds of nuances no, it's, it's the, it's when the, it's our impeachable. national security is at it's impeachable it's impeachable and and, I, and to me it's, this this should be I see. I the, see. the core of our, our impeachment because it's a national security issue because we now have direct right. evidence right. that biden uh enriched himself with a foreign enemy and at this point, that's the crux of it, right? That's there. the crux of it, right? That's so, it. yeah, it's a national security issue, and I think it's time that we we agree. accept that, that that this is what really happened. I mean, come on, uh, Malcolm, you know, if if this happened with Don Jr. and Don anybody, Donald Trump, it doesn't matter who, anybody. you would have had a dozen raids on their houses by now. But he'd been locked that. up. Are you right. kidding me? Anybody on the right, but the left, these Marxists get away with everything, Tony. Right. I mean, it's been going right along that way. There's not a damn one of them who's been held accountable for nothing. Even right. today, how discouraging is this? I mean, they have run rampant all over this country, all over the Constitution. There's not one of them that has paid a price. Hillary Clinton, in fact, sends out tweets and stuff and laughs at uh, Trump. And, you know, she's having a ball knowing that it's all past the time now. And she got away with everything. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing. Clinton. Yeah. I mean, and by the way, one of the things that came out recently in, in the Durham testimony that basically James Comey ordered the destruction of all the evidence against Clinton. Who does that? Who does that? Exactly. exactly. And so, so yeah. And then, so yeah. Go, going back to the core issue of, of Mary right, Garland, though. it's You're very right. clear that Mark yeah. Garland is the ultimate coverer for what's going on. By the way, Bill Barr shouldn't get off scot-free either. Remember most of this information we're now coming, we're, we're hearing about all was available yep. Yeah. To Bill Barr. So why didn't Bill Barr do any of this? You know, I, you president? bring up Bill Barr. I have a real uh, odd feeling in my gut about Bill that Barr, cat. Malcolm. Bill Barr and 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 Durham were both there to yeah. protect yeah. the inf the 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 the, uh, the institution. That's all. W were they willing to support Trump? Yeah, only as far as their interest of, su of supporting institutions and Trump. How about supporting the truth? How about the truth? That, 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 that doesn't come into it. I mean, if you watch the, the questioning of Durham, yeah. it's very clear that Durham only went as far as he was going to be permitted by Bill Barr. It's right. very clear. Right, right. You know, this whole thing is so weird, Tony. Even the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'll end a point here to you. How screwy is all this? You know, you hear Biden in the last many days, again, reminding everybody in the media that he's very, very proud of his son. Very, very proud of his as a stand-up character. Then he right. has him at a state dinner. And you can see, you know, and, and just think about this. I mean, do these people have any pride or not? This guy is the most photographed scumbag. Uh, I mean, the pictures of this guy on every level all over the world, and it's a laughing stock. And yet he's at state dinner shaking people's hands. Who the hell would want to touch his hand knowing what this guy has been doing in his life? Well, anybody who gets kicked out of a sex club in L.A. for inappropriate behavior, you got to ask, like, ah. really? What? Ah. What the heck? And then, uh, you know, I mean, come on. And he's we, proud of him. He's proud of Malcolm, him. Look, I got to defend him. I mean, who doesn't write off their costs of, of prostitutes and hoes to the IRS? <laughs> who doesn't do that? Come on. You know. Oh, my golly. I'll tell you, you can't make this step up, Tony. Can't. I can't believe we're yeah. talking about it. And and, and But the, <laughs> to, to double down and the president is saying he's proud of his son. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, where does this come from? How I mean, how can anybody? Oh, look, I think it's like father, like son. I don't think uh, Joe Biden is all that different. I think he just was smarter and not getting caught in doing a lot of the antics he pulled. So yeah. I think you're on to something right with that point yeah. as well. As always, your analysis is spot on. Boy, what a... 
What a what a great uh, great segment to talk to you, Tony. Um, wow. Well, a- I, you know, I always feel bad because we always talk about bad news, but we talk about it in, in a very colorful way. Hey, man, we just did it, buddy. We just did yeah. it. Uh, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, one of the best out there. Great analyst. Thank you, buddy. Thank great. You. Always thanks, Malcolm. Always great to join you. Thank you. All right. My friends, we're going to take a quick pause here. So we took a little more time with Tony there, and we're going to join you just on the other side here. Immigration's hot up. Center for Immigration Studies coming up next. Stay right there. More viewpoint in just a moment. The America Out Loud Talk Radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code out loud at cofixrx.com. Welcome back to Viewpoint uh, this Sunday. It is indeed Malcolm Out Loud here and uh, going to catch right up now on some huge immigration stories that are very important. And uh, I want to start with the Supreme Court ruling. Uh, very interesting um, that uh, this is rejecting uh, Texas and uh, Louisiana, in fact, that they don't have legal standing. I hate it when you have a case like that, it gets to the court and then they turn the cards on you. Well, by the way, it sounds like a co- pretty good case, but you don't have legal standing. It's like, why didn't you tell us that before? But of course, it doesn't always work that way, friends. So once they look at the case, let's bring on uh, Andrew Arthur joins me now as a former immigration judge and now the resident fellow in law and policy for our friends at the Center for Immigration Studies in Washington, D.C., and uh, Art, always a privilege to have you here. Thank you, sir. Now, the pleasure is mine, Malcolm. Thank you for having me, and uh, the best to all of your listeners. Thank you. All right. So the Supreme Court, this rule, and people are confused with this, actually, because of the way it's being worded, what's being said. Uh, so it was an 8-1 to decision, uh, and it ruled that they didn't have the stand-in again, as I say. Uh, what is this? Uh, uh, let's get to the crux of what this is about and why it's important. So it, to tell the story, I actually need to go back to inauguration day, the day that uh, Joe Biden was inaugurated, January the 20th, 2021. One of the first acts, in fact, it was minutes after he took the uh, oath of office, was for the acting DHS secretary to issue guidance uh, that did a bunch of things. It uh, put a 100-day moratorium on all removals from the United States, uh, and it put restrictions on uh, which removable aliens in the United States, ICE officers could question, arrest, detain, prosecute, and remove. The whole, uh, basically handicuffed ICE, right? That's what the whole oh, idea, yeah. Yeah, no, incredibly. In fact, it hobbled ICE, didn't even handcuff uh, ICE. <laughs> that was known as the Bukowski memo. Now, uh, a federal judge stepped in very quickly and, you know, 
stop them from that 100-day removal moratorium. But a month later, the head of uh, ICE itself, a fellow named Tay Johnson, who is acting director and has been acting director for as long as Joe Biden's been president, issued his own memo that puts similar restrictions on ICE enforcement in the United States. Uh, so, you know, those two uh, restrictions were the law. They were challenged by the states of uh, Texas and Louisiana in the federal courts in a case called Texas versus Biden. So, you know, time went on. Uh, this was wending its way through the courts. And then DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was confirmed and he implemented his own set of restrictions. And you're going to have to follow me because this is going to sound crazy, but this is the way that it goes. Among the restrictions that uh, Alejandro Mayorkas instituted were to uh, identify only three groups of individuals as priorities for uh, what was called, uh, you know, enforcement uh, actions. And those enforcement actions, as I mentioned before, are questioning, arresting, detaining, prosecuting, and removing aliens who are removable in the United States. And that uh, especially applied to criminal aliens. So the three groups are threats to the national security, spies and terrorists, uh, threats to border security, aliens who entered the United States illegally on or after November 1, 2020, and uh, threats to public safety. And among the threats to public safety were people who had been convicted of serious crimes. Within those three groups, those three groups of priorities, Mayorkas put even more restrictions. And again, you know, when, when Mayorkas says priorities, what he's really saying is anybody who's not a priority, just leave them alone. In fact, he makes that clear when he says that, you know, the simple fact that an alien is unlawfully present in the United States is not reason to take enforcement action against that individual. Mm -hmm. It's a rather remarkable statement in and of itself. But so within those priorities, before agents can even question a removable spy, a removable criminal alien, a removable border jumper, they have to weigh both uh, the mitigating and the aggravating circumstances involving that individual. So if that individual is very young or very old, uh, that's a mitigating factor. You know, if removal of that alien is going to cause hardship to the alien's family, that's a mitigating factor. If the alien or the alien's child worked for the federal government or was in the military, that's a mitigating factor. So, you know, you have to really put all of this into a context. When you talk about removable aliens, you're talking about people who have been convicted of what we call crimes involving moral turpitude, crimes of vileness, baseness, and depravity, uh, individuals who possess narcotics, individuals who traffic narcotics, individuals who have committed murder, sexual abuse of a minor, kidnapping, fraud, theft, things like that. And the Supreme Court was then asked by the Biden administration to stay the vacator, as we say in the law, of that of those restrictions. Well, the Supreme Court refused to stay the vacator, but what it said was, look, we're not even going to send this to the circuit court. We're just going to consider this ourselves. And that was uh, the case that was issued uh, on Friday in Texas versus Biden. What the Supreme Court said was that the states don't have standing to actually challenge uh, a policy that bars uh, ICE 
from deciding who it's going to arrest and who it's going to remove. So that's really what it comes down to. Governor Abbott, uh, Greg Abbott out of Texas, uh, called it outrageous, of course. He says SCOTUS gives the Biden administration carte blanche to avoid accountability for abandoned enforcement of immigration laws. And then he says Texas will continue to deploy the National Guard and repel and turn back illegal immigrants trying to enter Texas illegally. Boy, he has his work cut out for him, doesn't he? Wow. Yeah, well, he sure does. But, you know, and it's important uh, for you and your listeners to understand, you know, the Herculean task that Governor Abbott has oh, yeah. uh, given to his state troopers and to his National Guards. But that border is about a thousand miles long uh, from El Paso all the way down uh, the Gulf to Brownsville. And there are the, state the, the troopers whole length of the Texas border, you mean? Yeah. Uh, about a so thousand, thousand miles, you're saying? About a thousand miles of Rio yeah. Grande, uh, okay. which is more than half of the southwest border in total. And, you know, I've been down there. Uh, my colleague, Todd Benzman, uh, has been down there a lot. We know the the officers who were doing that job. Mm-hmm. Those guys come from as far away as Abilene and Amarillo, which is nowhere near the border. And they get sent down there for weeks on end away from their families. But, you know, they're doing masterful work and they actually are deterring individuals from entering the United States. So from that perspective, it's good. From the perspective of the Supreme Court, not so good. A lot of reports about these Chinese nationals at the southern border. We got some experts coming up on China shortly. And I want to just touch on this with you now. This was startling, some of the numbers. Uh, Texas Public Radio uh, says Chinese migrants are crossing the U.S.-Mexico border in record numbers uh, and the apprehension, uh, the apprehensions of Chinese nationals at that border reached more than $6,500. These were just the apprehensive uh, apprehensions, not the whatever got in because they got in. And there's a whole host of those we know. Uh, but 6500 in the uh, six, just in the six months. So there's a 15 fold increase over the same period a year ago. This is according to the um, Customs and, and Border Protection uh, data uh, art. Uh, just a sliver of the hundreds of thousands of migrants arriving at the border, they say. The uh, other reports I see in this one from Axio says further deterioration in human rights conditions and religious freedom in China, a rollback of more uh, stringent U.S. border policies were in place under Trump and uh, social media that's driving this crossing. Here's what I want to ask you. From everything you see and talk about and those you talk about, there's a lot of concerns and suspicions about this record number. I mean, China's a little bit far off. It's not like a neighboring country here. These people are making quite a trek, and a lot of them are coming through the Darien Gap, uh, which is quite serious. But this kind of numbers and up to is very alarming. Now, is it just a matter of what Axios says, the human rights and religious freedom? Is that, I mean, the only thing or should we be concerned? And what are you hearing about this? Uh, what's the, th- uh, is there a threat here? I, I guess a real threat people are wondering. Yeah, I mean, respectfully, and I have friends over at Axios, I would disagree with their assessment. Chinese nationals are coming to the United States right now because they know that the border is open. They know that if they can show up at the southwest border, they're going to get into the United States. Let me just give you some numbers. This year alone, fiscal year, we're only eight months into the uh, fiscal year 2023, more than 28,814 nationals of the People's Republic of China have been encountered nationwide. Uh, you know, both at the ports, at the airports, and at the land ports of the United 28, States. 28,000, wow. 28,000, almost 29,000. 12,642 of them were at the southwest border, 
you want to hear a number, Malcolm, 6,480 were at the northern border. So, you know, Chinese nationals are coming through Canada. They're coming through wow. uh, South America, through the Darien Gap to come to the United States. And again, you know, I will confess things are bad in China. You know, there uh, are horrible religious uh, repression going on, particularly involving Christians. Uh, you know, there's a crackdown on civil rights. But keep in mind, I was born uh, just a few weeks before the Cultural Revolution of 1966 took place. Yeah. You know, I lived through, you know, all of the changes in China, and they've been many through the one baby policy when I worked for the INS and as a judge, when, you know, there were forced abortions in China, things there have never been that great. Right. The reason that people are coming here now is because they can, because they know that if they pay, right. and it's about $70,000 per migrant uh, that they have to pay the smuggler to get from China to the United States, wow. that if they pay that $70,000, they're going to be here and they're going to be here forever, even right, if they're right. removed. Because the numbers look like they keep them here once they're here. And they're, from the China side, they're, it's pretty well proven, right? Yeah, I mean, you it, get, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, Again, it's very difficult to disprove a Chinese claim, you know. Right, uh, right. But what about know. the nefarious? So do we know? Is there any, I mean, is it all just tied? We don't really know. Or do we have any inclination? Have you heard anything at all that any part of this is nefarious in, in, in nature or that there's any component here that is uh, concerning? Or are these just all, again, religious freedom, human rights sort of things or what? Well, and we know that uh, the government of the People's Republic of China is you know, adverse to the degree of being hostile to the United States. We know that the People's Liberation Army and various, you know, uh, components of the PLA are actively engaged in espionage in the United States. There's no reason to believe that at least some of these people aren't coming here for nefarious purposes. And, but, you know, this really gets to the problem, Malcolm. Our whole visa system is built upon, you know, the legal system that we talk right. about is right. built upon screening people before yeah. they come to the United States. Once they're here, they're here. That screening process completely breaks down. Yeah. So we'll never know what the intention is. That's a great point you make just are. there. Yeah, that's a great point, man. I mean, just just everybody should reflect on what you just said. I mean, that's the greatness of America that it was based on art. You're exactly right. And there was a system in place that worked, and now it's it's so dysfunctional at every level. And what happens is it's tearing apart at the fabric of the country in ways that we've never seen in our lifetimes. Um, th this melting pot of America and the beauty, they're using immigration as a hostage, this illegal immigration. And it's really tearing about, you know, our, the fundamentals of our nation, of our great nation. It's it's horrible what's taking place here. And, and it's all avoidable. It's all avoidable except these people don't want to fix it. They're using it for political power and other purposes, whatever it might be. Uh, the other big thing I just want to touch on with you, and we'll be talking more about this with some uh, uh, medical doctors ahead here as well, but uh, the level of diseases, I'm seeing all kinds of things now. We've been looking into this a lot more, Art, and it's something I want to talk to you about more in the in the near future here on this, but for time purposes, there's a, even the New York City's health commissioner come out and said that the influx of migrants from the southern border, more than 50,000 in New York City alone in the past many months, is delivering contagious diseases, including tuberculosis and polio and all kinds of things, malaria. Uh, there's an uprising in malaria I'll be telling folks about. 
these are real problems. And from what you can see, I mean, this is a lot of this border being exposed. Nobody, you know, here they were worried about a mask and a vaccine at one point. Hell, that's the least of the worries right now. You've got all kinds of people coming in with all kinds of issues. None of them are being uh, screened or charted. And all these diseases that were once endangered in our own country are coming back to life. That's see, that's the that's the big thing. Nobody's talking about art, but that's huge. That's a health concern. Yeah, no, it is a health concern. And, you know, I just to to let your listeners know, you know, the the points that I'm about to make is not to say that, you know, every foreign national that comes to the United States is carrying some sort of deadly disease and we need to be afraid of them. But we do know that uh, the health and vaccination standards in a lot of the countries around the world are not up to U.S. standards. You know, I have a polio uh, vaccine mark on my back. Uh, you know, many people have them on their shoulders uh, of a certain age, but we stopped vaccinating for polio back in the 1980s because it had been eradicated in the United States. That's it. That's it. Uh, so, you know, we have an entire population of people here who have never been vaccinated against poliomyelitis. We know that poliomyelitis actually is uh, a disease vector that, you know, exists in certain places in the world. Mm-hmm. And going back to that legal system that I talked about, that whole, you know, legal visa system, the way that people are supposed mm-hmm. to come here. Yeah. One of the things that we screened for is to ensure that people are one healthy and two have their vaccinations. Yeah. When people enter the United States illegally, there's no way. In fact, right now, DHS doesn't even screen for those things at the border. You know, you talk about some, you know, simple childhood diseases, measles, mumps, rubella. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people abroad are in places where those are active diseases. Now, again, most of the U.S. population is vaccinated against those things. Some parents, and this is their choice, don't vaccinate their kids because such a large proportion of the U.S. population has been vaccinated. The odds of them catching it aren't that high. That entire, you know, uh, well, that analysis, may change, by the way, that may change what you just yeah. said. It, it all changes. And again, Malcolm, you know, this is probably the most uh, beneficent country when it comes to allowing foreign nationals to come here. You and I have talked about the numbers before, yeah. but about 188 million people, foreign nationals, aliens come to the United States as immigrants or non-immigrants every year. Now, most of those people are not immigrants. They come, you know, they come here to shop or to see Disney World or the Golden Gate Bridge or whatever, and then they go home. Uh, But all of those people are screened before they get here so that we can make sure that they don't, you know, actually, you know, have any diseases that could adversely affect people. In fact, that disease requirement is the oldest one in the immigration laws. It pre-exists all of the other uh, vaccination uh, or all of the other grounds of intimacy, all the criminal and national security and everything else that we have, you know, those laws go back to the 19th century yeah. simply to prevent exactly what you were describing. This is one of the biggest threats. And no, I don't see any coverage on this point. But, I, I, you know, I mean, between two things, between national security, which you and I always discuss, and that's a huge deal to be sure. But this is also a national security threat. But it's a health threat of, uh, of the consequences I don't think people really fully understand and, you know, one thing about these kinds of diseases, they don't ask if you're a Democrat or Republican, Art. You understand that? Yeah, no. And, you know, this, it, it, there are actually two aspects of this. Uh, you know, one is health related and one is fiscal related. 
Yeah. Because if That's you're right. sick, you can't come to the United States because one, we don't, uh, you know, want you potentially spreading diseases here. Yeah. And two, we don't want to have to pay the cost of caring for you. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, both of those aspects are being broken down. We know that there's an emergency room shortage in the United States. Yale University, of all places, has, you know, written a big report on this. Yeah. And, you know, many people in many states are talking about the lack of emergency room beds. That is going to be exacerbated when you oh, yeah. talk about the numbers, you know, yeah. three million people yeah. uh, who have come to the United States illegally. Thanks yeah. to the Biden administration policies are going to put a huge burden on that health care. Well, and this is only this is why I want to bring this to the surface right now today. This is the tip of an iceberg that uh, is about ready to uh, implode here. And uh, I have, I have a, not a good sense, uh, not a good feeling about any of this uh, conversation here for a lot of reasons. But these are the results of uh, Wild West policies that uh, uh, continue to decimate uh, our country in more ways than people can uh, really fully grasp at this point here. Art, there's a lot more for you and I to dive into. This was a great uh, precursor here to some other conversations we'll have ahead here, but uh, can't thank you enough. Uh, for uh, bringing it, you, you put it out there perfectly well and explain it to it. Thank you for joining me here, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. CIS.org, by the way, is, a, is a, just a great site for all things immigration. But you, you got a pretty good feel there from Art uh, about some of the concerns we're talking about here. Uh, we're going to dive a little more into some of these. Uh, there's some real problems now and some stats and numbers on this. I'm going to speak to a couple of doctors just ahead as well. There's uh, For the first time ever in over 20 years, there are several cases of malaria now in the United States. These are these happen from within inside our borders. These are not travelers now I'm speaking about. If you understand the, the ramifications of what I'm talking about here, just the first time in 20 years, this is place to, I think we're onto something now that is going to be a, a big, huge uh, story ahead here. Uh, these are the repercussions for what's taking place. Okay, stay right there, friends, and we're going to continue on the conversation now. In just a moment here, you're listening to Viewpoint this Sunday. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. Right now, I want to get to this interesting report. Uh, United States Intelligence Report sheds a little light on COVID origins. You know, these people, they don't seem to learn anything. You have all the information out in the light of day. We know what the truth is. It's been discussed. We have one of some of the best voices on America Out Loud about this topic with Dr. Lee Meng Yang, with Dr. Peter McCullough, with Dr. Henry Ely, uh, with Dr. Stephen LaTulip. I'm some of the best with Dr. Elizabeth Lee Vliet. 
uh, Dr. Peter Bregan. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I mean, you, and there's more. And we know where the origins of this thing are. And yet the director of national intelligence, who really should be called the director of national unintelligence, uh, frankly, uh, he has a new report out. And they say that uh, this information, they, they kind of rebuke it all and say they don't see the origins of this tie into the Wuhan uh, Institute there in uh, Wuhan, China. Dr. Li Yang joins me now. She's an in independent virologist, whistleblower on the CCP, the voice of Dr. Yen, of course, on the platform here. Let's get right to it. Dr. Li Yang, you're seeing this intelligent or this unintelligent report what did you make of it? And, and I mean, you must have laughed when you heard it or heard the comments of the director there. What do you make of this? Hi, Malcolm. I know not only most of people are like quite disappointed with this uh, declassified uh, report from BNI. However, I don't want to uh, take more time talking about how disappointed people are. I want to talk about something different in this report. Still, I think there are some progressive parts people should notice, and that's the direction we have to keep working on. So first, this report has already confirmed that the map origin is no longer conspiracy, okay? So we have been suppressed for so long in the pandemic. Now I think we deserve more than apologize from the nature origin campaigns and those media. And also the next thing is, it's the first time that United States IC confirmed Chinese military, People's Liberation Army, secretly works on virus and vaccines in civil labs. So HCCT, military civil fusion. So as they said, WIV, Wuhan Institute of Virology, activities performed with or on behalf of People's Liberation Army. Then the question is, do you think Chinese military run the covert operations using virus in Wuhan labs to benefit the world or to develop novel bioweapon and countermeasures. And why CCP destroyed data, documents, and silence whistleblowers and investigators. And also, since this DNI report is titled Potential Links Between the Wuhan Institute of Virology and the Origin of COVID-19 Pandemic. So where, where is the report? from BNI titled The Links Between People's Liberation. So the nature origin evidence is not valid as we know. And this uh, facts listed in the report consistent with I insisted on. You should not only focus on Wuhan lab. You should look at the People's Liberation Army. All right, let me bring on Dr. Hu, is a, a biomedical expert, grew up in mainland China, also an expert in all of these matters. Uh, Dr. Hu, you hear uh, what we're talking about here with this report. Do you have any question or any concern that this was not that the origins of this did indeed come from the, the Wuhan Institute of Virology? Uh, what what can you tell us further from uh, on this story? I think the this the report is not either specific or detailed enough. Why? Because uh, uh, he he's the first time I mean the disclosed in officially that the uh, Wuhan Institute of the Biology have a collaboration with the military uh, back in China. But this is not secret. I mean. Although I know many uh, Western uh, journalists or the scientists don't know this, but that is because of the language barrier. I use the Chinese character just to, uh, give me one minute. I'll know. 
I can know that there are many people trained in the military was now working in the Wuhan Institute of Biology. This is the first thing. Second thing, they have a regular uh, invitation of those military research uh, people getting to the Wuhan Institution of Biology to give a talk and the instruction on the research. Third thing, the Wuhan Institution of the Biology, there are pre- pre- people called the Han Zhong Wang. He won, he won, he won the first prize, first prize for the military research, medicine research across the nation. I mean, national military medicine research first prize. So if this is nothing to do with the military research, how he get that prize, right? Mm, so the this is kind of thing. I I I give me one minute. I can just the screen uh, using Google to get this information. So the actually the what people really want to know is what they are doing and what that secret project is about and is the when it is carrying on and whether they are doing bioweapon related research and uh, whether they conduct community uh, transmission mm-hmm. tests where they are conducting that and whether that is uh, going out accidentally this yeah. is the information actually people expect you to know but uh, nothing was disclosed in current research okay. report it's basically is showing some people, showing people that uh, everything in the public Google research you can know that by yourself if you don't have the language barrier. But I think language barrier is for ordinary American people. It should not be a barrier for the intelligent people, right? This is uh, my feeling. Yeah, Doctor Who, do you see? Um, based on everything you know about the CCP and the the People's Liberation Army, do you see uh, this government trying to do this again, this pandemic? Do you see COVID-19, the SARS-CoV-2 as a one-off, or do you see them trying to use bioweapons again in the very near future? I think it depends. First, we have to know they have that capability because uh, that technology has been transferred, and uh, people have already know that uh, by enhancing the uh, by doing the gain of function, people can modify the virus, enhance the, the transmission, and what something uh, that many Western scientists didn't understand is uh, in China they can not only do on mice, they can do a monkey, and they can do even in a society level because we already know their human right level is very very low, and if they want to have a chip at a, a bomb i think the best way is just to test on the community if the the, the result is back i think that just few people can cause a big trouble right so i think this is uh, uh we have to come uh, we have to understand that they do have this capability and uh, the confrontation between the u.s and the um mm-hmm. china yeah. is keep going there are no way to, I mean, the, the currently yeah. I didn't see a way to solve it. I mean, without the, uh, I mean, the uh, intense the confrontation. Without a conflict. So, yeah, I didn't see that. So the, yeah. uh, if China have ability, let's say the southern border. Right. So if you do have to cross the border legally, then you have to cross uh, cross the customer. So the customer uh, in the airport, they can detect your, they can do many sampling. They can detect your temperature, but in southern border, they don't have such a things. They can carry anything they want, getting without the restriction. Even right. you catch them later, they may already pass it to somebody else. So I think this is a leak. As they are 
trying to test the legal system currently in U.S. If the legal system can do nothing, mm-hmm. they will understand this channel is good. Wow! So, wow! Yeah. Well, so well, they've been testing the system for sure. Yeah. Right. Yes. If this they validate this channel, yeah. and they do have that capability, combine yeah. that together, you can yeah. imagine when they do really when they do feel it is needed now, yeah. they can do that. And That's you exactly, cannot count, yeah. count on their good heart, yeah. right? You yeah. cannot count on your adversary's good heart. Okay, that that that's my point. Yeah, no, it's a great point. It's a very good point. Uh, and I, I think that's uh, the danger of all of this right now, especially with such an adversary, as you say, that, uh, that China is. Uh, Dr. Li Mingyang, this confrontation, that the point that uh, Dr. Hu brings up there, that you know, we're su- at such odds right now. Uh, freedom, the uh, United States government, uh, the freedom the we, the people versus communist uh, China uh, and um, uh, Marxism 101, uh, the, the, you know, the, the disparities could not be greater. Do you see a confrontation in the immediate near future yourself? And do you do you see them? Potentially, you know, again, we know the borders are exposed. We know we're going to be talking about that. But do you do you see this as another potential problem where they could unleash one of these um, weapons again, these bio weapons in the in the near future? I mean, the thing is, you even haven't, uh, I mean, understand the origin of COVID-19 after three years. Why USIC failed to do that? Because one of the most important reasons is China government using the national power to trick you and to corrupt the experts in the U.S. to help them. So now we already know Xi Jinping believes this is a big success. Yeah. And also Xi Jinping's team uh, already work a lot to uh, learn the lessons, learn the experience from the COVID-19 pandemic. And they never stopped to encourage more military scientists to work on the uh, bioweapons using other passages and other ways. So why could you expect before they take over U.S., they would give it up? So that's the problem. We don't know uh, when and how will they release the next one. But you should always be aware that your enemy is already in your yard. And will you open the door, welcome them, or you will beat them and until yeah. they can never come back? There'll be a broadcast, a much bigger conversation, the uh, penetration and infiltration, if you will, into America's universities. The Chinese nationals, the numbers that are coming over the borders are very, very concerning. You've been seeing reports on that out there clearly. Uh, I invite you uh, Monday uh, to the Voice of a Nation at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Dr. Hu and Dr. Li Mingyang will both be in the broadcast for that full program. And we'll talk more about all of the things we're discussing here, but even a much bigger conversation clearly. So tune in there to hear that as well. Uh, Friends, that's all the time we have here. Thank you for joining me on the mission here on Viewpoint this Sunday. It's time to get involved and get loud, America. America.